Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. Yo, yo, ah, now. Tune in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a devil. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, how Jermaine Sterling uh, It ain't shit, it ain't shit Motherfucker What's up guys, welcome back to the weekly Scraps episode I'm not sure if this is 150 or 151 I'm kind of stuck in the middle because I had to do an extra re-recording a couple days ago so, let's say we're going to go with um, 151. So, this is my 151th episode. This is pretty big stuff, you know? Um, been grinding with this. I remember my first episode was after the Iaquinta-Kevin Lee fight. And then guess what? This weekend, we have Al Iaquinta back in action. So, this is a, a great time to actually hit that kind of a milestone, so to speak. I mean, it's 150, 151. It's like halfway to 300 and not really quite 200 but we're almost there you know this is still a, a pretty big deal for me because it's hard to really keep consistent consistency doing these type of things and uh especially with my type of schedule just kind of all over the place man so I, i'm happy that i could still have the passion and still have the drive to to want to still do this and bring you guys uh, some professional insight from a, a different perspective, you know, from someone who's still actively competing and um, can actually teach and break down what they're actually looking at for people who aren't quite so uh, diverse in the experiences of what MMA is in terms of the martial arts, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, what's actually going on with the striking. Um, the striking, I'm a little bit, like, I understand what's going on, but for me to teach it is a little bit different because that's not, like, my forte so to speak but i do understand it enough to give some basic understanding of what's going on you know so um obviously my jujitsu and my wrestling is going to be the main thing that i can break down to to the viewers and really have them understanding what they're looking at you know it's not two people just kind of hugging up on each other you know um as always for our numbered events is always brought to you guys by DraftKings. so with this special event uh, obviously this is a back-to-back um, pay-per-view numbered card last week the, the united states we didn't have to pay for it which was pretty nice but this weekend we do and with that comes a special offer from DraftKings. so this is the first time covington and uh usman met in the octagon the first time they battled it out for almost five rounds it got stopped a bit early in my personal opinion but um usman came out on top and this saturday at ufc 265 five dollars can net you 200 dollars with DraftKings sportsbook the official Sports betting partner of UFC, that's right. New customers can bet just $5 on either fighter to win $200 in free bets if they do. Can the Nigerian Nightmare hold on to his welterweight title or will the chaos claim it? Ah, the chaos. Ah, or the Nightmare. Ah. <laughs> bet just $5 on the UFC 268 main event and win $200 in free bets if your fighter wins DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So there's no uh, limits. Like, I know some of my friends, they use these betters, and you have to have these limits where 
some guys do like up to 10 grand. So if you win, you can't take money out until you win 10 grand plus or minus. So if you lose 10 grand, then you got to pay up. So it's a lot of money to shell out all at once where for this, you could kind of pick and choose when you want to take your money out and uh, deposit it kind of thing, you know? So your call to action is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FUNKMASTER. Throw down just $5 on the UFC main event of the UFC 268 and win $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's Cold Funk Master this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposits for free bet promotion. One per customers. See the restrictions at DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. So, yes, we're going to get into this now. Obviously, the first fight, really, really close, back and forth, in my personal opinion. And I, I feel like we kind of, I don't want to say robbed, but uh, we kind of, it, it kind of got just a little bit short on what was actually going to happen. And maybe the events were still going to go the same in terms of Usman still winning because it looked like he was getting stronger as Kobe was getting weaker. But you, you never really want to see a fight end in a way where someone could run their mouth and say other things um, to kind of discredit what you were doing to them. In the case of now Usman has to deal with Kobe saying that the fight got stopped early because of Mark Goddard and blah, blah, blah. And I was going to win that fight, blah, blah, blah. It was a close fight, you know. So you just don't want to hear that. You want to remove all doubt. And now we get the opportunity to kind of to see what's going to happen with this one. Um, I, I like... This matchup, I mean, for Kobe Covington to only have to fight one time is and get and get back to the title shot right away. I, I think that's a little unfair, but you know what? It's a big fight. It's a fight that people want to see again, and I don't think anyone's too upset about it. But maybe other welterweights, maybe like Leon Edwards kind of thing. So I think it kind of worked out for the best. For both these guys, because it's a huge payday. Both guys are going to make a ton of money, and how can you ever be mad at that, right? So that, that's kind of the way I I looked at this. Um, I was trying to find the betting odds, and I finally got them. should have probably found this earlier. So Usman in this is a minus 320 favorite, and Kobe Covington is a plus 250 dog. So, I, I mean, I like this fight. Obviously, Usman has fought a couple times after their first meeting. Uh, when was that? That was back in 2019. He went on to beat Masvidal, um, Gilbert Burns, and then beat Masvidal again. And his the fight with Masvidal the second time, he just looked a lot cleaner of a striker. Um, there were still a couple of nuances that picky, picky people are going to look at this and be like, man, well, you kind of were off balance here, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, for MMA and for Usman, that was the best he's ever looked crisp powerful jab and that was the one that was the strike that kind of set the tone for the remainder of that fight which eventually led him to get um get the knockout against Jorge Masvidal so I I like that Usman I like where he's at now Covey comes Covey Covington only fighting one time taking out Tyron Woodley um I always joke about this fight because of how it went (laughs) and Tyron Woodley's my boy it's just like if you if you ever if you're in the hood and you get into a fight in the cafeteria or outside of school and the whole crew gangs up on you guys and and kind of crowds around to watch what goes on 
and you do anything that's like out of character or not manly or not tough, you get clowned for that, you know? And obviously it's a fist fight. We're grown ass men now. We're not little kids in high school that kind of just laugh at anything. Um, there was a point in the fight where he goes like, ah, my rib. And it was just like, um, well, he doesn't say those exact words, but it was just like kind of like an ah. And these guys were just joking. It was just like, it, it just wasn't good, you know? So it, it's one of those things where it's like, for Woodley to lose like that to Kobe, to Kobe after all the trash talk that was going back and forth between the two kind of kind of stung me in a way where it's like, damn, dog, you let this man take you out like that. Obviously, it's a fight. Anything can happen. Uh, we're talking two of the best guys, three of the best guys at that point in the world, and um, there's no shame in losing to Kobe. It was just the guys that were making fun of the way that it ended when he was kind of like, my rib, you know? So um, just going back to what I was saying, like if you lose a fight and – Something funny happens where maybe the guy made you bend over and then kicked you in the ass. This actually happened in my high school. And uh, the guy taunts to the crowd. I have a friend who did this. Taunts to the crowd. And then he walks up and just punches you in the ass cheeks. And then you get up and you're holding your butt. Like, people people make fun of that, you know? So they make fun of you losing. They make fun of how you lost. They make fun of the things that the guy made you do. So it's like, it's just one of those things. Like, it's a different mentality. I don't know if that was, like, in every other high school. But that's just how we were as kids. And people were just mischievous kids and devious kids just trying to anyway ridicule you, you know? So it was kind of like that moment with Woodley and uh, Kobe Covington. Kobe Covington is a tough dude. There's no shame in losing to this guy. This guy beat so many good people in this division. Um, Robbie Lawler, Rafael Dos Anjos, who he calls Dos Nachos. He'd be Damian Maya, uh, Dung Young Kim, Barbarina, which is a tough dog to beat. Uh, he beat Max Griffin. Uh, he lost to Wally Alvarez. That was a weird one because he got caught in a guillotine early. I think a lesson learned after that, but then he rattled off a bunch of wins. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins after that. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough guy, you know? And he's going to be in the fight every single time. The only difference for me that matters with this one is, did Kobe get better with his striking? Because he elected to strike in this first one with Usman. It's like they had an unwritten agreement in the back room. We're going to punch each other in the face and see who drops first or who gets tired first kind of thing. And we had an instant classic. You know what I mean? So I don't know if their approach is going to be the same from both men. I think Usman is going to be happy to do that this time where I think Kobe was able to exploit some of the, the weaknesses in the striking of Usman with the, the volume, the defensive reactions. And I think Usman has closed that gap and beyond where I think now, even though Kobe's not the most powerful striker, he's not the best striker, but he's efficient. He's not afraid to sit in there and he's not afraid to keep going forward and block punches with his arms and face and still try to get the takedown and still try to put punches in your face. You know, that's the type of pressure fighter he is. And you can see a lot of his other fights. He gets cut a lot. So in this one, I don't know if that's going to be the most intelligent game plan. I think this is Usman's fight to lose. I think he's got this wrapped up in terms of the way the odds maker have this match as well. Um, I just I just love the jab of Usman and I love the confidence. I think him being able to stay consistent and beating a couple more guys up, I think... Uh, Kobe's going to have a very tough time and might have to revert to the wrestling or trying to push Usman against the cage. But Usman's the biggest, stronger guy. So I don't know what Kobe's game plan is really going to be. And I think he has to try to get Usman as tired as he can, get him more tired than him. That's the only way I see him 
edging this one out because I, I can't see him finishing Usman. I, just, I think this is going to be a finish. It's going to be Usman finishing Kobe Covington again. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun fight. There's going to be some points that's going to have the crowd on their feet because Kobe's going to make it interesting. That's just what he does. I'd be very surprised if he can push Usman against the cage and keep him there for long periods of time, kind of like how he did Robbie Lawler, those Anjos. I almost call him those Nachos. Damn. It's just embedded in my head. And the way he did it, uh, Damian Maya. even though Damian Maya tattooed him a bit, but he let Damian Maya punch himself out. Maya gasses all the time. That's kind of one of his MOs. So Kobe's a smart dude. He knows how to stick to a game plan. He knows how to follow the game plan. But so does Usman. And when you got the bigger guy, stronger guy, better striker, it's hard-pressed to go against that guy, but it's also hard to deny the, the accolades and the accomplishments of the other fighter, especially after they fought already. Um, but as of right now, I like Usman in rematches, and I'm, I think Usman takes this one in a very dominant decision. Uh, we Next up, we have Thug Rose taking on Wei Li Zhang. This is a great fight, great rematch. I wasn't happy about it right away. I thought the way she lost, it, it warranted her to kind of work her way back up. And maybe not a bunch of fights, maybe one fight, and then back into a title shot again for, for Wei Li Zhang. I like Wei Li. Very nice person. Met her at the PI. Super cool. Um, down to earth. And I love Rose. She's the woman, you know? Her, Pat Barry, um... Fun couple to be around and just great energy all the time, you know. Uh, with that being said, I think Rose, she has more tools to win. I just don't know with with the power. Um, I think she caught Whaley by surprise, and that's the fight game. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes you should have zigged when you you zigged when you should have zagged, kind of kind of thing, you know. So I'm not sure if it's gonna be a real quick one again. I just think um, Rose doing that, doing that same similar thing and finishing her opponent early like she did Joanna Jacek in their first meeting, winning the belt, knocking her out. The same thing she did with Zhang, knocking her out in the first meeting. And then in the rematch, it was a much closer fight and a much more fun entertainment back and forth fight where I think we're going to get something very, very similar to this. The only issue for me is will the, the power of Wei Li be a factor if this fight goes past three rounds. Um, we've seen Rose fade before. She gets a little bit tired. Um, she has really good footwork, and I think uh, her output is super high, and that could lead for people to get a little bit more exhausted than they probably want to. Zhang is more of a... I don't want to say she's a pressure fighter, but she kind of sits there and kind of holds her ground. She kind of reminds me of a little bit of a Peter Yan in terms of her efficiency with her striking. Uh, I don't know what her approach is going to be this time. I know she's been working with Henry Seyudo a lot and their their team and uh, what's his name, Figueredo. So I I like how Henry's taken, over, taken under these two fighters, Weili Zhang, Figueredo, both coming off of losses in their title, defi- uh, title fights, defenses to Brandon Romano, Moreno and Rose Namajunas. It's a lot of names going on in my head right now. So Henry Cejudo taking those two people under his wing. Will that be enough to change someone in such a short amount of time? Or could it be him just polishing up what they do and maybe giving them a couple of things that they could work on that they can add to their game? Or trying to reinvent their entire game altogether? 
it's one thing when you have a game plan. It's another thing when you're in the moment and you kind of just fight on instinct, you know? And I think a lot of people do that. Kind of like what I was talking about Kobe on Covington, where he, he's so good at sticking to the game plan and uh, taking his licks to get to where he wants to be. At least that's the way it looks from, from, uh, from my eyes, you know, my perspective. So now the same thing. Is there going to be a different game plan? Like, how do you game plan for Rose? What is the game plan? Try to slam her on the head like Jessica Andrade? I mean, how often does that happen? That's like one of those freaky things that it just doesn't happen very often. And obviously it happened twice in the fight, and the second one was enough to to put her out, you know? So what's Whaley's game plan in trying to take out Rose? Is it to win the decision? I think so. That's the only way I can see her really finish. I mean, she can't catch her because she's very powerful, but Rose is good with the footwork. She's, I think she's hard to hit. Um, Jessica, uh, Joanna Jacek was just really fast. I think that, that made for a great stylistic matchup where that second meeting went back and forth a lot more. I don't know if Whaley is that fast person, but she's powerful. She's, she's explosive, but will it be enough to take out Doug Rose? I kind of bet against her before and and I kind of went back and forth. And I think I ult- I would have to go back and check the videos. I ultimately went back and I sided with Ioana in a close fight. Or I said I didn't want to pick. I, I might have said I didn't want to pick. But to, to doubt Thug Rose at this point is just kind of the most naive thing you could do. She's so good and so polished in every single ass- facet of the game. I, I just think she gets it done again. And uh, I think it's going to be a much more closely. It's going to be a... a a much closer fight. I think it's going to be more contested in terms of going back and forth. I can see Wei Li trying to maybe chop down the legs of uh, of Rose, but I can see Rose using the stick and move with the jab and um, finding those one-twos that she lands really, really cleanly. Um, I believe her, Whitman, and Pat Barry are going to have a really good game plan, and I don't think they. You know, I don't think Wei Li got to see the grappling side of. Nama Yunus yet, and I think that's what's going to make a, a big surprise to see what happens. Because I'm pretty sure Whaley's been working on some wrestling with um, Sayudo, but I don't, I just don't know if you can learn wrestling overnight like that. I'm not saying she didn't know how to wrestle before, but it's it's to learn the inside leg trips and all that, and to be comfortable doing it on the fly, heat of the moment. It, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a, a tough sell for me, but the odds makers have this minus. This is pretty much a, a, a pick em fight. Minus 105 for 105 with DraftKings and minus 115 for Wei Li. So it's a very, very good fight in my personal opinion. Next up, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. This one is just a barn burner. I, I don't know who to pick. This is going to be chaos. I don't know who's going to land first. I don't know who's going to retreat first. I think Chandler is a man of his word. He's going to go forward, and I think that sometimes leaves him a little bit more vulnerable than it should. Uh, I think he prides himself on the offensive attack more than he does on the defensive side. And I do think if he cleans that up just a little bit, this should be his fight to win. Justin Gaethje, we've seen him fight just as reckless, and he puts guys out, um, high risk, high rewards. Now, in this one, you've seen him in the past kind of clean it up and not take as much punishment as he used in the past, a la the Tony Ferguson fight. Uh, the Cowboy Cerrone fight. And who was the other person he sent to the Gulags? Um, Edson Barbosa. You know, defensively sound now. Obviously, Khabib is a different fight. You're not, Khabib's not looking to sit there and strike with you. He's looking to block a couple punches, maybe eat a little bit to get to your legs and take your ass down. 
keeping that pressure on you the entire time. It's just a different type of stylistic fight. Both guys kind of the same when it comes to BJJ. So I don't know if there's going to be a takedown where we're going to get to see these guys use those skills. I think both guys are going to be happy to punch each other in the face. Michael Chandler obviously coming off of a big win off of Dan Hooker, then losing in his title efforts to Charles Oliveira after having him hurt and almost turning the UFC division upside down on his head by coming in from Bellator and just being a mainstay player and almost capturing the belt right out of the gate. You know, pretty impressive stuff. Um, Charles Oliveira actually ended up knocking him out in, or TKO, in the second round. You know, so, like I said, he's one of those all-or-nothing kind of guys. I, I don't know what's going to happen in, with this one. It's it's one of those fights I could never be comfortable betting on. But if I did have to bet, I, I like the defensive side of Justin Gaethje. And I think that might prove to be a little bit uh, too much for Michael Chandler defensively. Because like I said, Michael Chandler's an all-or-nothing type of guy. And DraftKings has this at minus 210 for Justin Gaethje and plus 175 for Chandler. This is a fun fight no matter what. Both guys are going to bring the heat. So I'm, I'm excited for this one. Now, this one is crazy. Shane Burgos taking on Billy Q, Billy and Quarantillo. I think I always say his name the wrong way. Quarantillo, I think that's fine. I'm just going to call him Billy Q, though, because I don't need to be butchering anybody's name. This is a fun fight. Shane Burgos had a crazy fight with Edson Barbosa where it was a, a delayed knockout response where it's like his brain got hit, and then all of a sudden, four seconds later, it felt like that he decided to... His brain said, you know what, I think I'm good. I'm going to shut down right now. Kind of like the old school window sound. Boom, shut down. <laughs> so he after he gets clipped. There's like a three, four second pause. And then he kind of stumbles backwards. And you're just like, what the hell was that? I've never seen that before. And he ended up getting finished. And thank, thankfully, Barbosa didn't put on any crazy finishing touches to really put any extra damage on Burgos. Nice gentleman of him to to know that his opponent was done and uh, not really need to inflict more damage so that this guy can continue his career and obviously make money. Other than that, he's coming off of two straight losses while Billy Q, I believe, is on a little bit of a run. Mm, just one. So his last one was Gabriel Benitez, and he lost to Gavin Tucker in a close fight. Um, but before that, he won two in a row three in a row in the UFC. Um, Kyle Nelson, Spike Carlisle, and Jacob Kilburn all in the UFC. So he is 4-1 and one in the UFC right now. Gavin Tucker, there's no shame in losing to him. I think if he used those punches, if he straightened up those punches instead of coming with the hooks because he likes to throw those hooks, I thought that would have been an easier fight for him to win utilizing his, his reach advantage over a guy like Gavin Tucker who's a very clean, polished Muay Thai striker and has good grappling himself. I think that would have been the path to more success for Billy Q in that fight if he had made that adjustment in, in the moment. When he was using these straight punches, he had success. When he wasn't, he was allowing the, sh the shorter man the, with a, a shorter reach to get inside and land his straights um, and land his strikes more than Billy Q was able to land his. You know, Billy Q is a dog. He's tough as hell. Doesn't quit. Guy has chin on him. And great cardio. This is going to be a fun fight. The only difference is for me, I think Billy Q utilizes more grappling and utilizes more kicking. So that could be the difference where Burgos is predominantly just boxing the entire time in an MMA fight. Um, I don't know if that's the path for victory for Burgos, but he's a tough dude, slipping rips. 
Hopefully he's recovered well because he had some really tough fights with Josh Emmett and um, uh, Edson Barbosa. And that's the question mark for me. How much has Shane Robergos recovered in terms of the, the physical side and, and the mental side? Can he, Is he still in this to try to get back to uh, a title picture conversation in this 145-pound division? Because if he's... if if he loses this one, this puts him at a, a very rough spot. Three in a row is a, is a is a tough place to be in the UFC. Um, but either way, this is going to be a fun fight. Shane Burgos brings it no matter what. Uh, I think the fans are going to be in for a treat with this one because the same way, the guy doesn't know any type of retreat. His defense could be tightened up a bit. I think sometimes he's a little bit too hittable looking to slip and rip counter. His hands are relatively low. I do think if he, I know he's probably makes it faster for him to throw a jab, slip and rips. You're probably a little bit more comfortable, but sometimes I feel like when guys are throwing kicks at him and, and throwing punches and mixing it up, I think it makes it a little bit harder to counter those strikes. I think Billy Q is coming into his own, and I just feel like this might be his moment to really, really shine and have a coming out party to show that Billy Q has arrived. So I'm, I'm liking Billy Q over Shane in this one. Not by like a crazy landslide or anything, but I do think he's going to be able to surprise some people. Um, Billy Q is a plus 170 dog. Shane Burgos is a minus 200 favorite. I think people think the boxing of Shane Burgos is just that much better. And I know Billy Q personally. So obviously I picked the guys that I know because it's just, it's just, it would be weird for me to bet against someone I know and then go talk to you and sit there in your face and have a conversation. Like, yeah, man, I, sorry, I was on my podcast and I, yeah, I bet against you. Awkward, awkward stare, you know, just, it, it, I just can never do that, you know. So I'm going to always talk about the strengths of the guys that I know and their paths to victory. But I do think Burgos does have the cleaner striking. But I think if Billy Q can mix it up and utilize his grappling, make it a dirty fight, pressure him a little bit, I think this could be a, a great way for him to have more success. He's going to have to straighten out those punches because Burgos is great with those straight crosses down the middle, those one-twos, utilizing his jab, slipping rips, where he's moving, he's turning. So Billy Q has to be key, um, he has to be privy to that, if that makes sense. you know. So if he could do the right things with utilizing his reach, Getting in his face, cutting the distance, making it an ugly fight the way he does, making it a dog fight, but at the same time going to the body, taking him down, or even attempting takedowns to keep him honest, get him to drop his hands so he could come up top underneath or come over the top with some clean strikes. I, I, I see Billy Q taking this one and uh, really looking, looking good in terms of his uh, featherweight future for the other top dogs in this division. Next up, we have Frankie Edgar, the answer, taking on Marlon Chito Vera. The Bantamweights are back. Now, this is a great fight. I think so many good things. Obviously, Frankie Edgar coming off of the loss to the Sandman with that flying knee attack. Before that, beating Pedro Munoz. And before that, losing to Cheng Sung Jung, Max Holloway. Beating Cub Swanson and losing to Ortega. So, he's lost a bunch in a row. One, two, three, four, five. So, he's won two out of... Five fights. Um, tough spot to be. But obviously in the Bantamweight division, he is 1-1, one and one, beating Pedro Munoz and losing to Sanhagen. No shame in that. Marlon Vera beating Davy Grant and 
losing to Jose Aldo, beating O'Malley, then losing to Song Yadong in a fight that I actually thought he won. Uh, so Cheeto's, Cheeto's had one of those weird careers where it's kind of up and down. Um, he beats guys that he's supposed to beat, and then the guys that are like the higher level guys, he ends up losing to them. But he's been around for a while. He's got really good jiu-jitsu. Got a good, got a good range, good, good height. He's five eight. I think he might actually be a little bit taller than that. Might actually be five seven. Uh, long legs, likes to throw the front kicks, likes to step in with those elbows. Frankie utilizes good footwork. And Frankie stands in front of him, allows Cheeto to get a hold of him. Cheeto's gonna be chasing this man around the cage the entire time. You know, Frankie Edgar with the hands up, doing the pivot, level changing, double jab, uh, jab low, and then coming with the one one two. Um, straight up boxing style, sometimes kicking, getting out of there, going for that knee tap. Vintage Frankie Edgar. Whether or not his chin can hold up, if he can take a shot from Cheeto, because I know Cheeto's going to use that front kick. Frankie's got to watch out for things coming underneath because he has that guard. His chin is down nice and tight. And when you're in that position, sometimes I think it's a little bit harder to see those strikes coming from underneath because you're looking through your eyebrows at your opponent. So just... Try to see what I'm saying in this particular situation. If your chin is down nice and tucked and you're looking at your opponent straight up through the eyebrows, right? And it just might seem weird. So now you're fixated on them. Everything from over the top. You can see parry, 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 whatever. But anything coming underneath, like I'm just going to punch you. It's hard to see that type of strike, especially if I blind it with like a hook front kick up the middle. You're not going to be able to see that strike as well, especially if the guy has you on your heels. Um, or you're trying to level change the way he did against um, the Corey Sanhagen when he took off with the flying knee. Frankie level changing with his chin nice and tucked. Hard to make a read on a guy's hips to see that strike coming. So you see where I'm going with this? I, I, I think if Cheeto has the, the eyes to see where to open up with his strikes and keep Frankie honest with his very, I don't want to say one-dimensional style, but it is kind of one-dimensional where he's predominantly just boxing. And I think when you're super tucked, it makes it harder to read other stuff. That's why I'm like a little bit more relaxed. You see Brandon Moreno, where he's here with this style, with his hands up, and he's able to to make reads with everything because he can see. He knows when to tuck. He knows when to relax when he's out in the open. He's just kind of hanging out. And then when he's ready to go, he'll tuck in, and he can see the strikes coming from all angles. More visual per, per, perception uh, I think that's the right word, <laughs> to see everything that's coming his way. I think Frankie has to be privy to that. And Marlon can't get frustrated with the footwork of chasing Frankie Yeager around because that's what he does. And when you get overzealous, that's when he catches you coming in. So the the the, the speed and the boxing and the footwork of Frankie Yeager versus the tenacity and the grit of a guy like Marlon Vera. If the fight gets to the ground, I like Marlon because he has really good jiu-jitsu. But Frank Yeager on top, we know his ground and pound is one of the best. Um, I remember that fight with him and Yair Rodriguez, but also Yair, Yair, Yair Rodriguez back then had no ground game. Whereas Yair right now with his ground game, hopefully he's gotten a lot better. Hopefully. But we haven't seen him down there yet. So this is a good fight and maybe a changing of the guards. If Frankie loses this one, now they flip-flop in their, their rankings. And if Frankie wins, it still keeps the Bantamweight division super hot and super interesting because you still have a big name of Frankie Edgar, former lightweight champion of the UFC, um, defended the bell a couple times. 
And to do that at 155, now drop down to 135, that's that's a big feat, you know. So the name value is, is huge to have a guy like Frank Yeager there. A lot of people um, know him, especially the old school people who watch um, MMA from way back when. But I just, I don't know. DraftKings has this a plus 145 for Frankie. And Marlon's a minus 165 favorite. So... I, if I'm if I'm being honest, and I know Frankie, not like personally, personally, we've met a couple times, we've hung out once, I think once or maybe twice, and uh, I just think this is you can have a count of the answer, of course, but I think this might be a changing of the guards and uh, the change of times, which is tough to say, but you know, Cheeto is 28 years old, man, he's young, and Frankie is 30, he's 40 years old now. I mean, can we see another Glover Teixeira story in one of the hottest divisions of the UFC? I don't know. I don't know if he's beating a Pideon. I don't know if he's beating a guy like myself. I don't know if he's beating a Marab. I don't know if he's beating a Jose Aldo who he's lost to twice already. It's it's a tough it's a tough buy, you know. But if he can get past Cheeto. This puts him in a very, very interesting spot. Because where does he go from there? He fought Sam and got knocked out. He's lost to Jose Aldo already. Jose Aldo's fighting Rob Font. Where does he go from there? He's going to have to win a couple to to get back into that title pitcher, so to speak. But he's still a very big name. And a lot of people are going to want to be able to fight a guy like that to, to add them to to add him to their resume. Or Frankie's going to continue to add more of these young young killers to his resume. I just don't see it going that way. So, um, again, you can't count out the answer. I'm not counting them out. I, I just think for me, I like the odds makers on this one for this, picking Marlon Vera. And for me, that's the pick that I'm going with. I'm going with Marlon Vera. Uh, is that the main, all the main card? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, that's pretty much all the main card. Now we got this guy, Pereira, who was the last guy to beat Adesanya, from what I understand. We'll go through his record right now. Kickboxing. Kick, yeah, he knocked out Adesanya in round. It doesn't even say the round. But whatever. He's making his debut in the UFC. He is 3-1 in MMA. He's 34 years old. I guess the UFC decided to bring him in better late, better soon than never. Kind of like a Fedor situation. He's fighting a guy from Greece. Am I right? Yeah, Athens, Greece. Um, Ladies, who is 13-4. And he is one and one in the UFC, so it's a great opportunity for him to to make the division exciting because you got the storyline of oh my god, the last guy to knock out Adesanya is back, he's back, ah, oh, he's the boogeyman, he's back, ah, oh, he's three and one in the UFC in MMA, but he's back, he's chasing Adesanya, he's gonna get to him again eventually, and maybe he could do it again. It's a different sport, it's a different time. Both guys have gone different trajectories in their careers, so I can't really say that. It's going to be a fun fight no matter what. Um, or should I say fun follow? Because he's not fighting Adesanya anytime soon. Let's be honest. Anytime soon. But I, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it, for the excitement to see what he can do at the highest level. And uh, I don't know much about this Mitchell Ladies guy, but he beat a Bukakis. And I think that is enough for me to say, okay, I, there's some interest there. Uh, he might be a tough, a tough dude who he, no, he lost to Bukakis. Never mind. 
Never mind. <laughs> All right. So this next one, Al Quinta taking on Bobby Green. This is the fight they've all been waiting for. Aya ah, Quinta. Aya Quinta. Aya Quinta. I can't wait to hear the chance at MSG. This is going to be a very, very fun fight. Al Quinta coming in hot at my, uh, plus 150. Underdog and Bobby Green coming in at minus 170. I think the I think the odds are fair, very very fair for the odds maker to have it like that. Ally Quinta, thirty four years old, uh, on a two fight losing skid, lost to Mike Perry even though he beat Mike Perry in that grappling match. I, I the, the the rules were just really ridiculous. Had the man in the twister and the and the ref called that as a stop as an escape. Made no sense, but whatever. We're not talking about grappling right now. Al does have one of the best grapplings I think in. The lightweight division, I think he just doesn't use it as much as he should or could have, right? I think he's fell in love with the boxing. He likes to hurt people, and he likes to put them out. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a guy who has good defensive wrestling and knows when to use it and can at least keep himself safe when it gets to a tough grappling situation, right? Uh, he lost to Dan Hooker, Don Cerrone, and had that epic rematch fight with Kevin Lee at the end. Hands down, yelling at Kevin Lee, same out. Uh, Kevin Lee throws a punch, he slips it and yells in his face and puts his hands up and walks away. Epic ending, ridiculous scene to just see that in a great fight from both of those guys. And now you have Bobby Green. Um, and just a little backstory. Obviously, he had that 24-hour notice fight for Khabib. Takes the title fight, one day's notice. Trained for a 15-minute fight. Went 25 minutes, trained for a 15-minute fight, went 25 minutes with what some people call the GOAT at maybe 155. Maybe not all of them, maybe 155. You could make that argument. So it's credit that should be given, rightfully so, just based on the backstory. If you actually understand what has happened to him in his career with Obviously, going back and forth with the UFC coming to 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 uh, just heads coming to to blows, not physically, but you know, just guys just bumping heads and never really getting along with each other. Al standing his ground, wanting to do what was right for him and his body to get himself back to where he wants to be, um, so that he could continue to compete and put on a show for the fans because that's what he loves to do. And then you have all the drama, whatever. So he's lost a couple of years just because of some. Some uh, beef between him and the brass. They're good now. They're good now. But it's always going to be one of those things where he stands his ground and uh, he fights for what he believes in. Thankfully, the guys were able to eventually smooth it out and we got to see more of Ray Janelle in in the octagon. And hopefully we get, can continue to see a little bit more of him. Um, obviously, he's 34, so we're all getting older. Uh, remember before we were both young dogs in this, I think around 26 and 24 getting into the UFC. So we're, we're getting to that point, you know? So hopefully we get to see a little bit more of him before it's time for both of us to, to, to have that swan song. And now obviously Bobby Green, tough, tough guy, kind of an up and down trajectory with him as well. Losing two in a row before that winning three and before that losing two. Um, so when he lost the two, he lost to Jakar Klaus, Francisco Trinaldo, 
that he beat Clay Guida, Lando Venata, Alan Patrick, and then after that, he lost to Tiago Moises and Rafael Fazif. You can make the argument that Bobby Green at 35 is starting to look the best he's ever looked. He lost to Tiago Moises. Yeah, that was a close fight. But then he put on an even better performance against Fazif, where he was supposed to get pretty much steamrolled, and that was supposed to be maybe the highlight win that Fazif needed to really push him forward into that upper echelon of the 155-pound division. It didn't happen like that. Bobby Green stood his ground. He fought back, won the third round, you know, had a close first round, maybe eight more shots than he should have um, because maybe that was the strategy, let this guy tire himself out a little bit, which did eventually happen. And then in the second round, Bobby started to pull away towards the end of the round. And then you can make the argument that maybe he won that round. Or maybe that round is as close as a draw, you know? So Bobby's tough. You know, he fights a lot with his hands down. He talks a lot. He's been fighting a lot more from the southpaw position. I'm not sure why. He throws those jabs up top. He throws those crosses from down here where he's kind of like, what, what, what? And then he'll throw something. He'll throw the front kick. Uh, he's been fighting a lot more intelligently. For Al, I think this fight is good for him in the sense of if he can stay focused with his game plan, keep the pressure on Bobby, smart pressure, let Bobby throw and miss. Look for his counters. Attack the body. Slow Bobby down. Threaten with the wrestling. And if the wrestling is there, take it. Because Bobby, if, if Al gets on top, I think, I haven't seen much of Bobby's ground game, but I would like to, I would argue that Al, if he gets on top, he's probably passing the guard or controlling him down there long enough for him to land some strikes or maybe even get on his back. And I think maybe uh, put Bobby in a situation where he has to, force more action when the to a later round and potentially leave himself open for more counters from Al. You know, Al's got good setups. He's very tricky with his, the things that he does for his boxing, and I think that's what's going to be the difference. And uh, again, with the odds makers, they have this at plus 150 underdog for Al and minus 170 for Bobby Green. So this is a fun fight. I think it's going to go... It might be back and forth, hopefully a little less back and forth and more inside for us. Uh, I like Bobby Green. I've got to meet him a couple times now at the UFC PI. Super nice dude. These guys were supposed to fight years ago. Actually, let's actually look at when that was actually supposed to happen. They were supposed to fight, canceled belt back in 2015, and that never happened. I think people forget that Al had one, two, three finishes in a row over Rodrigo Dam, Ross Pearson, Joe Lazan, then a split decision win over Masvidal, then knocked out Diego Sanchez, then that's when he fought Khabib. So I think people might have forgotten what these hands do. Al, your knuckle game's crazy, bruh. Knuckle game's crazy. You know, that's just what he does. Heavy punches, Al. Heavy punches. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, uh, when Al's on, Al's one of the toughest guys in the division and most skilled guys in the division. Um, it's unfortunate that a lot of injuries have plagued his career. But when he's feeling good, the guy is just as good as he's ever been. So I think I'm I'm banking on that. Uh, as long as Al's ready to go, and we already know what it is, he's got to be re just like anybody. They got to be mentally ready to go. If he's mentally ready to go, this is going to be a fun fight for the fans, and I think good things are going to happen for him. And I like... 
his skill set over Bobby's. I, I think Bobby's tricky with the hands down, and I think the southpaw thing makes it a little bit um, different to prepare for. But I do think Al's able to switch stancing um, and the, the trickiness of his strikes, of his boxing. And I think if he blends that in with his wrestling, good things are going to happen for him. Aya Quinta. Now, there's a lot more other fights on this card that we're not going to have time to get into. We have Phil Hall's taking on Chris Curtis. This is a big one. Shabazian back taking on Imanov. Uh, Gian Vellante taking on Chris Barnett, the big heavyweight guy who's like 5'10", I think. 5'9". Uh, taking on Vellante. He had a really tough fight with, with Ben Rothwell. Uh, this is a big one that Vellante needs. And I think this might be his retirement party. So I would like to see Vellante go out on top. So hopefully our guy can get it done. You know, I haven't seen much of him in the gym over at Odd Gym. He's been training over at his main gym, um, Belmore Kickboxing. So hopefully those guys have him ready to go and in shape. Because Barnett is a tough dude. Might not be the biggest heavyweight, but he's a tough, tough guy. Barnett is a minus 105, and Vellante is a minus 115 pick em fight. Uh, Dustin Jacoby taking on John Allen. I'm not sure who this John Allen guy is. Brazilian guy. I don't know if I've ever seen him fight. Maybe. Oh, he beat Roman Deladze in a split decision. Okay. I kind of remember that. And now this guy Melsic is taking on Bruno Salza. Damn. I was hoping that uh, our guy Dennis Bazookia was going to get this fight booked. Um, hopefully. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, that would have been a rematch from the Contender Series fight. And this last one, Odie Osborne is back taking on Vergara, CJ Vergara. I don't know who this guy is. Is he making his UFC debut? Yes, he is. He's from the Contender Series. He beat a Bruno Correa. And I don't know if he's fought anyone else of note. Jose Jos Soto. I don't know. No one else that I know of. Jose Osborne, Jamaican, Badman. He lost to Manel Cop in the last one with the flying knee. Great opportunity for him to get back into the win column over a guy making his debut. So I'm definitely looking forward to this one. We'll see what's going to happen. So as always, guys, don't forget to hit that like button, that subscribe button. As always, if you like my sh subscribe to my shit. You want to spin it back, baby? I'll see you guys later. Peace.